This is a Radio.com original. Is Ant allowed to get his hands dirty? Because we were watching uh, an episode. <laughs> wow. We were watching an episode of Wheeler Dealers, and my wife goes, look at his hands. And I'm looking, and your hands were, for the most part, it had some smudges on it. I mean, but she goes, I've never seen a mechanic with hands that clean. And I thought. We have a very large art department that comes in art department's <laughs> yeah. hands. Yeah. That's a large cost on Wheeler Dealers. and welcome to a new edition of the Talking About Cars podcast, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities and more. I'm Randy Cardoon. This week, Hot Rod Bob Beck of the Great American Auto Scene, or GAS, G-A-A-S, hit the road as we entered the Wheeler Dealer's Garage in Huntington Beach, California, to talk with Ant Anstead about his new show, Ant Anstead Master Mechanic on the Motor Trend app. And we talk about what else is going on in his life, including a new addition to the Anstead family with he and his wife Christina of Flipper Flop fame on HGTV. Also in the room, Wheeler Dealers producer Chris Hill and Henrik Niemannen. So let's start off with a big talking about cars. Congratulations to Ant and Christina about your son Hudson. Thank you. Oh, that's really lovely. I've come here to do a car podcast and you're the first person to go in about the child. Really? Yes, I appreciate that. Has anybody mentioned diaper genie to you yet? Well, uh, no, but you have to remember as I'm British, so use the word nappy. Nappy. What is diaper genie? Nappy genie. Christina doesn't know what diaper genie is? She She might do. (laughs) Okay, here's a crazy question, because I actually work with a guy who's never changed a diaper and the baby was like six months. Shame on him. I know, right? I'm not, right. Shame on him. Do you know what? This is, um, you know, I think it's every father's duty to be hands-on and involved with the kids. Uh, it's really funny because for me, it's been 13 years since uh, ch- I, I've had to be responsible for a child. You know, my youngest is 13. My oldest is 16. Unbelievable. I don't know where those years have gone. And um, I have sort of vivid memories of being hands-on as a dad when they were babies. And actually, those memories come flooding back. So it feels really nice, actually. I, I feel incredibly privileged at the tender age of 40 to now be a, a new father again. At least he has OJT before. His what? On the job training. Oh, yeah. I didn't know if you were like throwing an STP in front of me or something like Not that. Not that I'm aware of. Okay, good. Just checking. So it's like a riddle. This is how we talk. It's so sad, but so inviting. When was the first time you changed a diaper with the new kid? Um, in hospital, you know, on, on day one. Yeah, really? so Christina had um, had a C-section. So the, the thing about cesarean is it is a full-on operation. You know, I don't think yeah. women get enough credit for what it takes to have children. It's something that becomes part of life, so we naturally take it for granted. Um, but actually, it is incredibly abusive to the body. It is draining, and to go through a C-section is the same as going through an operation. And if you were to have exactly the same operation on the back of an injury, people would give you sympathy. Mm-hmm. But having the same operation on the back of childbirth tends to be forgotten. So I don't think, you know, mums get enough credit for uh, the effects that uh, childbirth and cesarean has on your body. So in the hospital, when uh, Christina is bedridden, you know, imagine not being able to use your core muscles. Um, of course. So within within uh, within 24 hours, I was changing nappies. Wow. And I continue to do so. Good for you. I'm very impressed. All right, since this is talking about cars, what car does the child seat go in? Uh, child seat, so we're actually quite a, um, we're quite a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're a family that has a lot of cars. So we have two cars that are designated child seat carriers. Ah. So uh, Christina drives a Range Rover. Okay. Um, I think that's the rule, living in Newport Beach and having blonde hair. Yeah, uh-huh. I think you have to So you have to drive a Range Rover. So should, there is a child seat in the back of the Range Rover. And um, I have a... Um, do you know what? I actually don't know. What is my car, guys? <laughs> I, it's probably it's probably important to first of all note we're sat in the middle of a Wheeler dealer production, and oh. we have uh, we're not here alone. So we do have uh, a producer and a, a director listening in. What is the car? The car that I'm given is it? It's a GMC, right? Or is it a Chevy? It's a Chevy Suburban. I have one of those big American cars that are unnecessarily large. Oh, so that has a car seat in it. Yeah, that's got and we've just established it's a Chevy, right? Yeah. And it's a four door, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Suburban. Yeah, it's big. It's- Oh, it's Suburban, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was thinking of the pickup truck. Oh. No, no, yeah, you're right. You're right. As the Cadillac. Suburban's the extended. Yeah. The extended time. Wait, well, wait a second. I, I think I have the, the extended one. Yes, yeah. that's the Suburban. So you're driving two zip codes at the same time. Yeah. It's, it's a big, unnecessary car. Yeah. 
Very good, well, but at least it fits. But to answer your question, it's got a car seat in it. Yeah, that's cool. Well, that's cool. You can't, like, stick it in a classic, for heaven's sake. Why not? Or, or can you? Well, you could. Sure. I, did. I am could. more than happy to put a car seat in my Mustang. Seriously? Really? Yeah, I am. I can't I can't go in the uh, the Porsche because it doesn't have seatbelts. Ah. But I deliberately had rear seatbelts fitted in the Mustang for that very reason. Oh, which Mustang? I have a 65. Ah. Oh, first generation. As long as we've skipped to that, there yeah. is a great story behind that car. It is a great story, yeah. Tell me a little bit about because this is a podcast about um, car stories. The least I could do is ask about that Mustang. Yeah, it's kind of strange because being a Brit, car fan that now lives in the States, if you was to say to any British car fan, what's the type of car that would be appropriate for you to have whilst you live in California? And of course, Mustang's certainly going to make the... Of course. It's going to make the top list. And um, I, uh, I never went out to look for a Mustang, but I was attending the Balboa Car Show one Sunday morning Great little car show, really cool, enthusiastic car fans. And uh, this uh, this fella comes up to Mike and me together and says, oh, hi, my uh, my friend is uh, an elderly lady. She's moving house. Her husband passed away. She's downsizing. And in the garage, she has a Mustang. She just needs to be rid of it because the house is being sold. And I think you've got a week. Will you? Uh, do you know anyone that's interested in, in buying this Mustang, thinking it might be suitable for the show? So I wasn't even looking for a car. Mike wasn't looking for a Mustang. You know, the show's already done one, so we probably wouldn't repeat it. But straight away, we got in a car, drove up to meet this lady who lovingly was called Sally. Mm -hmm. And um, Sally... Mustang Sally. Mustang Sally. Mustang Sally. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, Sally, with her husband, bought that car brand new in 1965 from Newport Beach Ford. Wow. Had a, an extra mirror put on the front wing for towing, but never had a tow bar fitted. And owned the car ever since. So it'd been off the road, um, I think, since about 2001. And um, so I, I bought genuinely a, a, wow. a, a one owner, 65 Mustang, untouched. Coupe? Uh, a coupe, yeah. So I, um, I set about uh, restoring it. So mechanically, she's really beautiful. L open up the bonnet um, and the engine that's bay the is... That's the hood, but That's the hood. The, yeah, the engine bay is yeah. perfect. But on the outside... Just flat sanded the rough spots and lacquered it. So it looks fully patinaed. And then I lowered it, stuck some really nice wheels on, um, changed the interior to red because I have an obsession with red leather. And then I put some sort of race numbers and some stickers all over it. So it now looks like a really rough and ready kind of, can I say redneck? Is that allowed? It looks like a redneck car. I mean, I've, the moment I said the word redneck, both producers from Wheeler Dealers, Chris and Henry, gave me an awful <laughs> side eye look. There goes that market. I don't, what, yeah, does it? I mean, are we allowed to say that? I don't know. Here we are. Culturally, that's right. It's a podcast. It looks like a really rough and ready, tatty car, but actually, mechanically, it's absolutely perfect. So you never drive the Mustang here, then? You don't have? Oh, occasionally, yeah. In fact, in you know my new show, uh -huh. um, there's a, there's actually quite a bit of footage shot on the way to work in the Mustang. We you know we use shots of the Mustang on the outside. You know, I genuinely do use it as a daily driver. Okay. When the feeling takes me, I yeah, I'll come to work in it. Yeah. All right. So you're bringing the the old car to the new show. Tell us about the new show. Yeah, the new show's exciting, um, and I'm really thrilled that you guys sat down and watched the first three episodes. Absolutely. So, so what do you guys? You think watched of it? it, Bob. Oh yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Wait. Okay, so the first rule of podcasts is watch the the host's show in advance of the podcast. Wait a minute. This is this is on the pay per view, right? This is on the oh, app. Oh, on the app. Yeah, you gotta pay for the app. I don't even know how to use my phone. Time out. Time out. Time out. Okay, it's true. We did not check out Ant's program because, and I wrote out some really incompetent reasons here. Here's one. Number one, I thought Bob did. Number two, it wasn't in our talking about cars budget. And number three, I thought Bob did. Suddenly, Ant gave us a deal we couldn't refuse. I tell you what, guys, I can do you, I can do you a real solid yeah. right now because Motor Trend at the moment are offering 14 days free access to the app. Free So access. when you get home tonight, yes. go and get your 14-day free trial. Go straight to Ant Anstead, Master Mechanic, and you will be able to binge the first three episodes. And oh, get this, tomorrow, yeah. you'll be able to catch the fourth. It's guys, how was my sales pitch? That was pretty perfect. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> man of, from man of many up, words, yes. your producer is working here. Yeah. Um, um, so to answer your question, the new show. It's uh, first of all, it's really important about how the show came about. So ultimately, um, you know, Wheeler Dealers is a monumental amount of work. We we managed to squeeze in uh, twenty seven episodes last year. Wow. And if you think about that, boils down to twenty four cars. So nonstop for a year, we're building a car every two weeks. It's a monumental amount of work. And when you consider we're sitting here today. 
uh, entering the 17th year of what has become a, a global brand. Yeah. Um, in the 17 years that Wheeler Dealers has been running, last year was the most episodes that the show has ever been able to cram into a year. Mm-hmm. In fact, in the early days, it was like 10 or 12. And when I first started, it was 18. But we've somehow managed to kind of hit a stride. And we've got this real amazing, dedicated dream team. That means we're able to create this amazing amount of content. Um, but of course, you get to the end of a 27-car run and uh, you're exhausted. <laughs> so um, what normally happens or what's historically happened over the last 17 years is uh, people take a holiday and they, they go away and they recuperate and re, you know, recharge their batteries. Um, so Mike and I were both given the opportunity to go and spend the summer on the beach. But at the same time, the holiday conversation was happening. You know, Motor Trend said to us, well, actually, what about filling the holiday gap? So both Mike and I immediately threw our hands up and said yes. So Mike got on a plane. He went back to the UK and he shot his own solo show. Um, it's called Mike Brewer Dream Rides. Mm-hmm. Um, and he shot that in England with a, a British crew. And, of course, I took the opportunity as well. So my 12-week holiday uh, was, uh, was basically me saying, well, look, I'm going to build a car. And I was building this car anyway. In fact, I looked, before the show was commissioned, I had already, um, I'd already got hold of some bits and pieces. I'd already made the steps and plans to make this car happen. So I said to Motor Trend, "Well, I'll tell you what, why don't you just follow this?" Um, and uh, I had a bit of a, a deadline because I had a child coming, so I knew, pinning the calendar that my son was going to be born in exactly 12 weeks' time. So I had this 12-week window where I was building a car anyway. Motor Trend had an appetite to follow it. And, uh, and and there we are. The rest, as they say, is history. So that worked out great. Now, you, so we've tr- established that you guys are type A personalities and you like to work. We, yeah. yeah. Do you know what? Yeah, we all do like to work. It was, that's what's really funny about the car sector is the car sector is heavily driven by passion. And when you uh, deal with people that, you know, my job is my hobby. And I've been very lucky to be paid to do something that I would do for free. So, I didn't hear that, though. That, yeah, but just for the record, <laughs> no trend. This does not represent the, uh, <laughs> the ethos of every car host on the channel. But the, the jokes aside, it's absolutely true. So when I'm not working, I'm working with cars. So I was going to build the car anyway. It made sense to the network. And it was really, um, you know, what's really interesting is actually quite funny timing having, um, you know, you've come for this podcast at the Wheeler Dealer Workshop. And we've got two of the, the show's directors and producers here, Chris Hill, Henrik. Hello. Henrik Niemann, can we hand him a microphone? Because this uh, is going to yeah, be it's this is going to be quite relevant. Well, I'm going to share with Henrik, and the reason why it's important that these guys are here, yes, is this new show goes far deeper than just building a car over 12 weeks. Okay. Um, and I guess the best way that I can tear up is this: if you think about the the plethora of car content that exists out there at the moment, and let's say that the the uh, the pinnacle is Hollywood. What they do in car movies is phenomenal. Takes hundreds of millions of dollars and there's CGI and special effects and they have these A-list actors and they have no problem blowing up a million dollar car. That's Hollywood. But at the bottom of the, uh, the, the, the table is um, it's kids. Yeah. Kids with their phones on YouTube, um, on social media forums, just creating car content. And they're doing it because they come from a place of passion. So if you imagine the span from Hollywood to the kid on the street that loves a car, it's it's huge. And Wheeler Dealers is a very, very high production, very, very beautifully shot, very, very uh, scientific, with loads of teaching and loads of take-home. It's not as polished as Hollywood, and it's a bit more polished than YouTube. But for me, the car world is changing. You know, there is an appetite for really real car TV. People don't want that polished Hollywood blockbuster. Mm-hmm. They don't want that very amateur phone shot, but they they want something between the two. So one thing that, you know, the guys in this room and the people that set about making this show agreed on day one is, what does the changing face of car TV look like? Good question. What is the future of car TV? Is the future of car TV shot on an iPhone? Is it very, very real? Do we do we overly lit a scene? Do we prepare with a sound man? Do we put makeup on? Do we script it? And actually, we all agreed that, do you know what? This show is a real opportunity for us to change the way everybody makes car TV. And I absolutely believe, and it's a big, bold statement to say this, I believe that this show will change the way other people make car shows. What are you doing differently 
then hasn't been done. Well, this, this, is, this, this is totally unique for you because I've got the, the director, producer of the show sat next to me. So I'm going to really? pass you over to Henrik, who's been, who has worked at Hollywood. So he's worked on the movies. Yeah. And he's worked on average shows like Wheeler Dealers. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Henrik Nyman. Hi, Henrik. Tell us about Thank you. No, it, it is uh, Henrik Nieminen. He still doesn't know how to pronounce the last name. That's okay. Uh, no, if, if I can digress for a second, yes, we came off of 27 episodes of Wheeler Dealers uh, Insanity. And uh, I was looking forward to nothing more than a, a summer vacation. Uh, which I did have a chance to sort of partake in. The, the wife and I, we shipped our bikes to Chicago. We rode across the country, Route 66. That was our summer holiday. And uh, every other day, this, this man sitting next to me and um, was texting about, when are you back? When can we start this? When I can believe we get he's involved? texting you right now. Uh, he is, actually. He said, speak up. Sound more interesting. <laughs> um but his tenaciousness and his sort of energy level is just its unmatched and just trying to keep up with him. Coming off of 27 episodes, uh, across the country bid, and then to jump into a new show, I'm just exhausted starting off. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, we, Chris Hill, who's sitting across from me, um, has been a, a wonderful support in, in moving that forward before I even uh, got back into town. But the build itself is um, was something that Ant was, was going to take on. And as he said, the Motor Trend said, like, well, why don't we just capture that Chris, and be a part of it? Chris, you have microphone right there. And um, so, so there was a, lots of uh, progress done before I even got back into town. And that was Chris and Ant scheming behind the <laughs> scenes about, you know, you know, how to make this project possible within the 12 weeks that, that he had sort of allotted to himself. I know, well, um, no, it wasn't that it was allotted. I had a child coming. Put the microphone well, in his face. There, I, I didn't have a choice. I, I had a child coming in 12 weeks. Um, and it's that, you know, what's really funny is that somebody else asked me, would you wish I had more time? And actually looking back, no, I, I wish I hadn't have had more time because when you have a, a really tight deadline, you actually make decisions quicker. And ultimately, if you think about the decision-making process, you could procrastinate and spend time thinking about it, and instinctively, the first decision is usually the right one, and you end up weeks later back at what would have been your first decision anyway. So with this build, we had to make very quick decisions, mm -hmm. and I think the build's better for it. Sorry, carry on. No, don't apologize. <laughs> I, th I think that is a part of the charm, is that it is, it's as live as you can um, while producing a, a project that is actually going through the edit process, but... Um, I think what we all enjoy most is being present, being present with the, the, the person taking you on the journey, whether it's a, it's a travel show, you know, a car building show, you just want to be in the room with the person. And I think what we've done with, with Ant Show is brought the, the, the viewer into, into the shop in, in a way, just, just through simple sort of like uh, sort of casual sort of camera sort of coverage and, and the way we actually talk to the, the team that's there helping to support, you know, the efforts and the build. Mm -hmm. And it really puts you into the space. And, and, and I, I think people will truly enjoy and, and, and actually feel like they're there uh, because of it. Is Ant allowed to get his hands dirty? Because we were watching <laughs> an episode. <laughs> wow. Of, we were watching an episode of Wheeler Dealers. And wow. my wife goes, Look at his hands. And I'm looking, and your hands were, for the most part, it had some smudges on it. I mean, but she goes, I've never seen a mechanic with hands that clean. And I thought. We have a very large art department that comes in art departments. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a large cost on Wheeler. Child, this, is, um, this, is, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is incredibly frustrating because, as you know, especially when I, uh, I replaced Ed China, yeah. um, there was, uh, there's always going to be a pe there's always going to be a school of negative person out there that looks on the negative side you could do a, a thousand great things and they'll only talk about the one bad thing and i am i mean the crew take the mick out of me daily because i probably wash my hands over a hundred times a day but what what we don't show is pictures of me washing my hands so actually if i had if i give you my hands now and if you look at the amount of cuts and bruises that are all over my hands yes, now bear true. in mind they're quite mucky now they kind yeah. of that you know mucky tinge to it yeah you so i can see it's been used yeah so i'm working on i've been working on an aluminium uh, actually i'm not going to give the game away i've been working on something bespoke made of aluminium this morning for wheeler dealers and um That's i aluminum, i've yes. probably um I've probably washed my hands so far this morning, and bear in mind that's not a greasy job, I've probably washed my hands over 20 times. So what you guys don't see, 
in fact, guys, we might have to start including it in the show, is, is <laughs> that people it. do, between shots, wash their hands. I can see a whole segment and, new, and a new advertiser. Yeah. Yeah, soap company. Or yes. still or, I don't know. And every time Lots. every time um every time you do something grubby and you wipe your hands, unfortunately it results in cleaner hands. Yeah. Well one thing I've noticed though, you know, on the positive side, since you've been on the show and I've been watching it for a number of years, you are more conversational to the people watching. You're not talking to the camera, you're talking to the viewers. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you kind of when you become a TV home, bear in mind I, I don't yet know anyone who set out to become a TV host. I certainly didn't. I didn't want to be on TV. Um, I'm only, I only ended up on TV because I was asked, but I never went out looking to it. I never wanted to do it. And ultimately, I think if you, if you are talking about a subject that you understand and you're passionate about, actually, it naturally becomes conversational. And you can see TV shows where presenters are trying too hard. Either because they're regurgitating words that aren't their own or they're dealing with a subject that they don't quite understand and they effectively become an actor. The difference is, is that I'm not acting. I'm, you know, Mike is genuinely giving me a car, I'm fixing it and I'm handing it back. And in the process, I'm telling you what I'm doing. Actually, if you boil it down, it's not that, it's not that tricky. And if there's ever a stage where I, you know, I go into a kind of an overproducted, overpresented presenter, these guys laugh at me. <laughs> they, they, they literally do. What are you talking about? Oh, I don't know. I'm tired. <laughs> less is more. <laughs> yeah. Less, less is more. And, and I think what actually naturally happens is that no matter who you are as a TV host or if there's somebody listening to this that has ambitions to be become a TV host, my only advice would be is just stay true to yourself and work on a subject that you're so damn passionate about in the hope that somebody else loves the subject too. But I also like the banter you and Mike have when he brings you a new vehicle to work on. Kind of yeah. like the Alfa Romeo taxi. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gosh, yeah. What an ugly car. And I have to be very careful because that was the last Alfa to sort of hit mainstream America. And then they came back with the new Alfa. And that was a white car built with an extra, you know, designed with an extra sketch. But um, Henrik sitting next to me has the new white one. Ah, okay. <laughs> so we have to be incredibly careful. But I, I think he's been moonlighting as an Uber. Yeah. Um, yeah, not a great car. And that's, and that's a promise I made to the viewers and I made to Mike before um, before agreeing to join Wheeler Dealers. And that was, uh, I absolutely have to tell the truth. And okay. if I don't like a car, I have no problem saying I don't like it. You know, we've just shot, Mike handed me a car this week, um, which I don't like. And make no bones about it, I think it's one of the worst cars ever made. And it wouldn't be authentic and it certainly wouldn't be real if I was to say this is a great car when I truly believe it's not. And I know that that's, you know, there's going to be a, a, a lynch mob of <laughs> enthusiasts because there is a dedicated club for that car. Yes. There's going to be a load of enthusiasts out there that are going to hate me for it. Um, but, um, you know, this is this is what's real and authentic about Wheeler Dealers. And the reason why a show like that's lasted so long is because it has a, a kind of a humble authenticity that can't be faked. Um, so we're not going to fake it. So what does the name of the car rhyme with? <laughs> uh, it's British. All it's right. British. Okay, right. I know which one it is. All right. All right. You do? Yeah. It's, up, right. on, it's up on the wall. Is it? I think so. Oh, it probably yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's that car. Yeah, Let's not give it away. The one. No, we won't. No, we're no, just we looking won't. at it right now. A couple now. letters and a number. Yeah, yeah, yeah a couple yeah. letters and a number. Yeah. yeah. DB9. It's not a DB9, yeah. <laughs> it's not a DB9. Yeah. Uh, it's a different channel. But that's, you get the idea. In one of your promos for the show, if I'm not mistaken, it says something along the lines of, you really didn't train, or something along the lines for somebody who's had very little training in this business, or as far as, as mechanics are concerned. Well, well, I mean, that's not necessarily true. I've had a, I've had a lifetime of training. Right. Um, I don't have any formal qualifications. I don't have a certificate that says I'm a qualified mechanic. Um, in the same way, I can't imagine Gordon Ramsay has a certificate saying he's a chef. Yeah. But he, I mean, he might do, Gordon, if you're listening. I'm really sorry. Um, but the, the point is, is, and it's funny because this raises, uh, as soon as the show was announced, it raised a kind of a, a conversation online. How dare you be qualified as a master mechanic? And actually, it's funny because in the eyes of the law, uh, 10,000 dedicated hours makes me an expert. And I'm entitled to give evidence in law, you know, in a court yeah. of law right. as an expert. And, um, you know, I'm ex-police, as you know. I have a, a, a decent understanding of uh, the law and the process. And every single police officer is a qualified expert in drunkenness 
<laughs> and yet, so if a, if a policeman stands in a courtroom and says that man was drunk, yeah. his word, her word, is expert. That's expert witness evidence. Okay. But did they ever attend a college to say, well, here's your certificate in drunkenness, and I'm certain that I'm well qualified to talk about drunkenness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a 101 and a 201 yeah. and a graduate course. That graduate course, yes. Yes, exactly. So I've, um, I, you know, my, um, my, uh, my, the foundations in my car knowledge comes from a lifetime of physically doing it. But yeah. you also explain that, and that's one of the things I like about the difference between you and someone else, is while you're doing the repairs, you're explaining why and what. Yes. You're not just doing it. Yes. So people get an understanding of, of what it's going to take. And that's been one of the things that, it, that has always intrigued me since you've been on the show, is I understand what you're going to have to put in to get this thing going. Now, we work really hard. I mean, Mike, first of all, works really hard at finding the right sort of cars. You know, this is, let's, you know, let's cut through the rubbish for a second. This is a show where people want to see a car transformed. There'd be no point Mike turning up with a reasonable car. He has to bring a rubbish car to start off with. Otherwise, yeah. you haven't got a show. Right. So, but the car can't be too rubbish because ultimately we got 42 minutes to, to turn around an entire restoration. So you know, Mike deserves the credit and the team deserves the credit for going out and finding the right sort of cars. They get cars that are wheeler-dealer cars. And you know, we as a team, we always say to ourselves that when we, when we fix the car, it's not just about fixing the car. We want, to we want to include social history. We want to include take home. And for me as a, a host, I want to inspire people to be able to fix the car in their, in their own time. And ultimately, that's the bit that I love about being a, a TV mechanic the most is that I'll get stopped in the street by somebody who says, oh, I saw that show and because of you, I bought a MG. Yeah. And um, you know, being teaching is, is a big part of the, the, the makeup of Wheeler Dealers. And being a, you know having someone sit on their sofa at home and go wow i didn't know that because there's a lovely little factoid in there or there's a little bit of social history or there's there's just a little gem that will be you'll be able to pull out 10 years later in a pub quiz because you remember watching that episode <laughs> that's the key to making wheeler dealers successful i want to go more into the show here for a second but before i do uh another episode i watched on wheeler dealers recently was the one with the ford bronco Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Ford yes, yes, the OJ car. The OJ <laughs> car. First question was, how did you get through the whole show without mentioning the OJ car, or was that even considered? Well, well actually, well, Chris Hill hasn't had a chance to speak yet, because it was... Um, I, Mike wanted to litter the show. Mike wanted to litter the show with OJ Simpson, but um, I don't know. I, I just, it, was big, I, it was a big conversation. It's funny, actually. It was a big conversation. It was an easy shot. There's no need to. Yeah. It's yeah. about the car. It's about the, the car. The show has three stars. The car's the first one. And you and Mike can argue about who's the second star, but the car, <laughs> the, the car is the star of the show, and the Ford Bronco is a great vehicle in itself. It doesn't need advertising with negative news stories. No, I yeah. completely get that, and and that's kind of like the the tiptoeing you have to do when you bring in a car that notorious. I guess is the way to put it, because saw the saw the Bronco and went, oh, I got to see what they how they get through this, and you didn't mention it, yep. and you treated it like one of your regular cars. And then I think there was a line in there where Mike was talking about how the price of these cars, the, they've really gone up over the last few years. And I looked at my wife and my wife looked at me and said, yeah, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> and then they mentioned something about you off-road. You had a, a slight issue off-road that Mike was talking about. Did, did I? Something along the lines of uh, you got to drive it, and then Mike said something about well, you know, rolling it or something like that. Did you have an experience? Oh right, no, Mike. Mike, uh, Mike takes any opportunity to remind me of some mistakes I'd made in the past. And a couple of years ago, um, I rolled a car in a race, and oh, okay. um, that keeps getting referenced. In fact, it's referenced in my new show. It's like the it's like that never-ending nightmare that follows me everywhere. And the worst thing about that race was no one was near me. I didn't clip a curb, and it wasn't my car. Well, that helps. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Not only is it referenced, we, we have archive. We have archive of that. Oh, you do? Oh, do you? Yeah, they managed to get hold of the racetrack, backdate it, get uh, hold of the archive, get approval to show it on the show. So in my new show, you do see a picture of me destroying somebody else's car. And, the, and there's a moment where I was in the air, and instinctively, I went to try and close the door. <laughs> so you see my arm go out to close the door, but the door came off. Um, yeah, not my greatest moment. Was it? It, was a, it was an Austin A35 mm. from the sort of 50s. Okay. Oh, gee. 
Oh, wow. Has that digest just digested, has it? Oh. <laughs> well, That's I, perked I, Bob up. I thought he was going to sleep over there. No, 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 yeah, no, no, I got a soft spot in my head for British cars. I, you know, so it, it, we oh, can do something man, like that. Yeah, but it's not, not my greatest moment. Okay, well, back. you know what? I'll tell you what. You, you get your chance to come over to Irwindale. I'll get you the NASCAR driving school. Oh, is that is that some sort of offer? Can we it blend is. that into a show somehow? I, if you want to, I can make it. I'll, I'll make sure it happens. Okay, whoever lends me their NASCAR, I'll make sure that doesn't listen to this. Well, you know, it's going to be one of the school cars. Actually, I drove one of the school cars. Yeah, it was. I even had my really wife behind one. Yeah. Well, I I can turn left four times. Yeah. How, yeah. How, how would you do the podcast from within the NASCAR as you're going around the track? Oh, that would be a good. That idea. would be interesting. We could do that. We we it have headsets noisy. going into the into the car. It yeah. would not be that difficult we could figure out a way if i got to strap Bob's this up techie brain just like kick it yeah. just kicks straight in there we'll like, without even thinking it's just instinctive we, we've had guys do it you're I like mean, a tech ninja what do you mean we, we talked about Leno, you know leno talked about flipping over in the car and you heard him talk oh, while he was uh, going over the uh, barracuda the barracuda yeah yeah another barracuda nothing to do with our barracuda no 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 no, no. oh Good times. Very right, cute. let's make yeah. that happen then. Let's do okay. a podcast at, right, we'll get it. at oh, 140. Well, we're still, you told us we can do a podcast one day in your uh, Porsche. Which yep, I, that, that still stands. That offer still stands. All right, yeah. you heard it. We'll have to there we go. take you up on that offer one day. Uh, okay, let's get back to your show. Master Mechanic, you mentioned this is different than any other show. Is When you say different, obviously it has Ant building one car over several episodes instead of the usual one car over one episode and that kind of thing. Uh, is that the main thing that stands out, or is it the way you do it that stands out? Or Chris, well, Chris, Chris, you Chris, seem Chris is going to first and Chris. foremost. This is the first ever um, long-running series that Motor Trend have ever commissioned. Oh, original I'm told original series, yeah. So this is a, this is a totally new tack for the network. Mm -hmm. you know, Motor Trend are a new. You know, we're acquired by acquired by Discovery last year. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we've started to, we as a network have started to create some new stuff. And this is the first time that they've said, well, let's create a new original series. Yeah. Well, Mike has started one, too. How is that different? I mean, obviously. Well, well, this started technically after Ant, so. Okay. Oh, Ant wins. Yeah, we can give oh, Mike okay. the silver medal. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, but, um, but in terms of the way the show shot and content, I mean, Chris is chomping at the bit to tell you. Because, so be, only because I want to advertise how easy my job's been this summer because <laughs> it, it all comes from passion. I'm going to take it serious for a little bit. It's, it, Ant was talking earlier about YouTube versus Hollywood versus – I think that's a little bit too over, over kind of analyzing the situation. It all comes from passion. Pa the, the reason that YouTube's amazing is because everyone that puts the video up is passionate about what they're showing you. Whether it's how to boil an egg or whether it's how to build a special, it's passion that they bring, bring to it. And Ant's passion over this whole summer – has just driven the whole project. So my job as a TV producer has been really easy. All we do is point cameras at him, and he's doing it anyway. And to be honest, like we employ people to point cameras. So I didn't even do that. And it's I think to talk about the future of TV, it's just going to come from a more passionate place. And I think that's really important because that's how it should be with car, car restoration, car buying, car racing, car anything. It's, it's, it's when you get in a car and drive and you like your driving experience, it's because you're passionate about it. Mm -hmm. And if you, if that gets up on screen, people are going to see that. So yeah, but when you, when you apply that, I mean, obviously this is a, a hugely passionate pro project and you, I enjoy watching people that love what they do on TV. You always will. But from a, from a production perspective, um, you know, we, I believe that right now everybody out there knows how TV is made. They understand that there's a sound person, that there's a camera person, that there's a set, that there's lighting, that you use a clackerboard. And Hollywood doesn't tell us that. They all that CGI and green stuff—it's a mystery. And they you that you you sit there for ninety minutes and you you enjoy the content. But in this show, we absolutely recognise that guys, you know how we make car TV. Let's involve the cameraman and the sound man. So throughout the whole series, I'm I take the camera and I start filming the crew and I talk to them off camera and you know they're constantly shouting. There's a lot of heckling actually. I get heckled a lot. I get heckled a lot. But actually, what what we've inadvertently or not what we've quite actually deliberately done is we've set out to create as real a car TV as possible. And that's what I see when I watch the show, is I just watch. If you were to turn the camera off, you could you could be the viewer that you just poke your head in the door. It's exactly the same content. You can abs you absolutely know 100% none of this is planned. None of this is prepared. The build in itself, I'm building a special, and the, the, one of the sort of great things about building a special is that you have to be creative. You have to 
make it up as you go along there's no such manual for it and if you reach a problem you've just got to overcome it and that's what's great about this show is that we don't there's no patronizing of the viewer the viewer just knows well yeah these are the team and that's the camera guy in fact you know that's the sound man and we're just getting you know we're just a small group of people that are passionate about this project they're getting together and we're going to film it and you're just going to follow it and there's no hollywood which i'll be honest was a little bit nerve-wracking because as a producer you need to try and control something if they give you 12 <laughs> weeks you have to do it in 12 weeks and when he says no it's all right i'll do this i've got it i'm like what do you mean you've got it you'll do this how long is it going to take well, i don't know I'll just, I'll just, just press the red button i'll just start i'll just start doing it and then we'll we'll be done in 12 weeks as what if it isn't done in 12 weeks so we start like <laughs> doing this whole thing and i'm just watching him and he he is making it up as he goes along he gets a tape measure and he's like 12 inches nah 13 inches i'm like do you not, what, what should it be, 12 and a half? I don't know. <laughs> this thing was built to the nearest inch. That seems quite sloppy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen the finished car and it's great. Well, how does that work? Because he just did, he just made it up. How could that be? It, it doesn't make sense. Where did that idea come from for that specific car? Or is that just something that when, when it came up to you to put together the vehicle, did you have something in mind or what? Well, <clears throat> Take it from it, a producer's well, point of view. It, his choice of a vehicle, I think, goes back to to, um, and it'll be revealed in the show as to why he chose the one the the, the Alpha One Five Eight as his his uh, project. But Ooh. you know, it was sort of going going back to years and design and and w what was slippery as a fish and sexy as a supermodel. And uh, I think that led him to to this car and and choosing it and and also the the opportunity to actually. Engage the viewer in in a way that inspires that you don't actually have to just buy somebody else's project and sort of uh, Polish it that you can actually create your own Invention from from the ground up from the I, dirt up. I think, I think Henrik's being incredibly I, I think Henrik's being incredibly polite there because uh, For me I'm European Formula one is a religion if you spend time with a car fan in the UK they absolutely follow and understand Formula One. But in the US, it, it, it feels like that kind of awkward cousin that's invited to the wedding and nobody really wants to speak to them. Is that one that's yeah. not NASCAR? Yeah, yeah it's kind it's of... like soccer. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Formula One in the US is... Um, I don't know why it hasn't really captured the imagination in the same way it has in the rest of the world. And, uh, you know, me referring to it as a religion is absolutely true. And the UK is not the most fanatical. You go to some countries, Brazil, for example, it is absolutely a way of life in the same way football's a way of life in Brazil. Mm -hmm. So I'm a UK, I'm a British guy, car builder, based in the US... What better story is there to tell than the car that won the first ever Formula One race? And what a lot of people mm. don't realize, and this is what I want to try and tell, particularly Americans, is that Formula One this is the pinnacle of motorsport. If you think that your sort of award-winning Indy car and season-winning NASCAR is impressive, go and have a look around a Formula One team. Mercedes last year spent £311 million to win a series, and it, the science is so precise that a second is first and last. And, you know, you look at these futuristic Formula One cars, and that technology bleeds down to the road. We know Formula One cars are now using regenerative technology. That is now making an impact in road cars. Safety requirements, the way that tyre technology, all of this braking technology is being implemented, but the public don't realize it's implemented in Formula One. And um, wind the clock back, and it's kind of funny timing, because the 70th anniversary of the first ever Formula One race is May 13th next year. And if you look at that first ever race, and we even managed to get hold of some really lovely archive footage in color of that first race, it was held at Silverstone in the UK, my home track, on May 13th, and bear in mind, 1950 was a kind of a strange time. It was at the end of, you know, the wars are now over. People are starting to rebuild. People are starting to spend money on motorsports again. But no one was truly prepared for a new World Series. So when the FIA got their heads together and say, look, we're going to make a new World Series, a new Constructors' Championship, it's going to be Formula One, bring your cars on May 13th to Silverstone, Alfa Romeo brought four cars. But they were cars that were actually built and designed in the 30s. Mm. So 15, 20 years later, mm -hmm. Alpha came first, second, and third in that opening race and would have come fourth if Fangio hadn't have had an oil leak. 
They were the dominant motorsport manufacturer. In the 1920s and 1930s, they undoubtedly had the best driver in Farina, but they had the best cars. They were the best people on the planet at winning races, Alfa Romeo. And in the US, Alfa have been on the kind of missing list for a while. Everybody loves the way an Alfa looks, but they have an issue of reputa their reputation for being unreliable. Or, you know, Americans don't really... You know, Alfa hasn't struck a chord with them in the same way it has... Europeans. So I'm telling the story of Alfa Romeo as a as a world dominant motorsport manufacturer for a long time. The first car to ever win Formula One. And what also a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, in that in the 30s when uh, Alfa, you know, the head of Alfa racing was a guy called Enzo Ferrari. Mm -hmm. So there's a point. Imagine this conversation. If we could wind the clock back, there is a point where Enzo Ferrari is employed by Alfa Romeo. He's making race cars and he goes home and says to his family, God, I really fancy doing this on my own. I know I'm going to go in tomorrow morning. I'm going to speak to my line manager. I'm <laughs> going to speak to HR at Alfa Romeo. I'm going to say, guys, I... And there would have been a conversation, oh, Enzo, don't leave. Or Enzo, leave. And actually, he did end up leaving in a bluster. And um, ultimately, Enzo left and started a car company that changed the face of racing forever. He started Ferrari. But I want to tell Americans that, do you know what? Before Ferrari was even a possibility, he was doing it for Alfa Romeo. And Alfa Romeo not only won the first ever Formula One race, they only ever built six cars. They, the, the values of these cars, 20 to $30 million. They're unbelievable. And actually, Chris Point, we went and spent a bit of time with uh, Schumacher's season-winning car just to show the difference between how far a 30s car is from a, a sort of a more modern Formula One car. And uh, Chris uh, made a really good point. He said that actually the, the, the problems that you have to overcome are exactly the same as they were in the 30s than they are now. People just want to go faster. It's just that now we, we understand downforce more. We understand um, wind tunnels more. Back then, they just made cars that were slippery. <laughs> they looked the nature. They made them look like fish. Mm -hmm. um, and you kind of, you stare at the Alpha 158, that boat-tailed single-seater special, and you stare at today's modern point fraction of a second with teams and teams of people to make it go faster. And that is how far that industry has come in 70 years. It is absolutely remarkable. Are you interested in seeing that upcoming Ford versus Ferrari movie? Yes, I am. It's up there, okay. Next question. Yeah. Uh, next question, yes. Yes, I am. Uh -huh. I am 100% of course it's car TV uh, yeah we saw Making of Le Mans and then uh, we saw Adam Carolla's uh, winning which True. was about uh, Paul Newman and his racing career mm -hmm. wow okay well it sounds like there's loads of good car TV but yeah, yeah. as Henrik says the Ford v Ferrari is on our diary there mm -hmm. there you go which means that we will be watching it it will Very be a impressed. team a team building event team, so there you go you a copy or you can actually go to a movie theater oh no we're going to go to the movie theater we're going to get popcorn down our tops and um, there you go yeah that's okay. how it was alright you like Popcorn with butter? Actually, uh, I've got a bit of a popcorn issue in this country because in the UK, you get some really good sweet popcorn. But every time I go to a cinema here, it's either butter or salt. Yeah, right. you got to get the sweet popcorn at the races. Oh, right. So is that the trick? Yeah, the kernel. Or car the, show. That's the kettle, kettle corn. corn. Yeah, the kettle yeah, we call that kettle corn. Yeah. Okay. Or car show. I'll get you some. When you come out to Riverdale, I'll make sure we have kettle corn. I'm a popcorn you. snob. Okay. The sweet corn. He likes the kettle corn. Kettle corn, sweet. All right. Yeah, yeah sweet. We'll get it. All right. We'll get it. I'll get a bag. You are? Yeah. Right, if he's coming out there to drive, I'm going to get him a bag of popcorn. Now, where he sets into the, the car when he's driving is something else. The Bob and Randy's this way, isn't it? They have, yeah. exactly they have right. huge popcorn. Bob, big popcorn. So, absolutely. We'll get it. All right, so your show underway as we speak, and it's going to go 12 weeks? Yeah, well, actually, what, well, Motor Trend have been incredibly generous. They've actually dropped last week on the premiere. They dropped access on the app to the first three episodes. And now it's going to run one a week for the next nine weeks. So, yes, there's 12 episodes. But you can you can use that word that everyone's sort of overusing now. It's called binge. Binge, yes. Binge. I know. It feels really kind of decadent. Back to back to back to I know, back right? episodes. Like hagen -Dars. <laughs> Right? Yeah, and that's the problem with hagen -Dars, is once I open a pot, ask Christina this, yeah. that pot's gone. So give, me a, give me a bucket of salt and caramel. Oh, man. Yeah. I tell you what's really nice, though, is because, you know, I, Mike and I both, you know, we like to engage with people on social media. And I've had a lot of people reach out on social media after last week's episode. And overwhelmingly, they've all watched the first three. No one said, oh, I watched one. I couldn't. I didn't like the rest. But uh, overwhelmingly, 
hundreds of people reached out and said, oh, I sat down, I saw that you got a new show, I sat down to watch it, and I ended up watching all three. So, um, and it really is, it's that kind of show. It's so real and it's so flowing that you could sit down and watch all 12 in one go. And, you know, thanks guys for watching. I really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we know how to treat our guests. Yes, we do, range. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay. Write, that down. write that down. We're yeah. going tonight. Uh, tonight. I expect a, I expect a social media posting tomorrow morning. Actually, yeah. not you, Bob. You don't look like you own a phone. No, my wife. <laughs> but my wife knows how to do it. Randy, so. if you could post one on Bob's behalf. Thank my, you. My wife's my IT person. She'll get it done. <laughs> okay, so I have to mention this, and this is, of course, the uh, post you put up. Because there's been a lot of back and Uh-oh. forth about the shows and stuff, but the post you put up oh, no. about. And it's at the top of your post, which it's it's basically you wanting uh, the, social media. Just quick, just before you say this, because it's really funny, because on one side of the room, uh-huh. we have the interviewers. And the other side, I've got Chris, the director, uh, Henry, the producer, and myself. And the minute you said that post you put up, they both squirmed in their chair and made faces because said? they're like, oh, gosh, <laughs> here we go. Okay, which one is it? Should, should I go ahead and say it? Yeah, I, this is an open right. forum, Randy. You See, this is... Like, this well, it's my show. I, yeah, show. the I, truth. Yeah. Yes, there we go. So <laughs> basically, you guys have had to deal with all sorts of people who like the show, don't like the show, like the show when Ed was here, and all this other stuff. You know, that's kind of old news. But the interesting thing is, you put a post up. Why is it that people can hide behind right yes. other you know names and and you can't really tell who it is because they can hide behind a, a pseudonym and basically say whatever they want and then you know then you try and figure out who's saying it and right well randy uh, uh, do you know what i'm actually glad you raised this because uh, uh, this is something that's actually it's really close to my heart so i've got the post here i've had my i've got my phone on me so i'm going to read it out so that the, the listener understands um a few days ago i put a post up on both twitter and instagram that said throwing it out there every single social media account should be verified Have the courage to say what you believe and be held accountable as you would in the real world. No one should be abused by an egg. In a changing world, we need a changing law. There I said it. Hear, hear. Hear, hear. Right. So so that actually sort of sparked quite a a big debate online because, um, you know, a lot of social media people believe is provocative. And actually, a lot of people believe that I wrote that about me. That has absolutely nothing to do with me. I don't give a monkey's if blooming Mr. Smith in Oregon wants to send me abuse. It actually tells you more about Mr. Smith than it does about me. And I occasionally engage with trolls because I actually quite like it. It's quite funny. <laughs> and ultimately, these uh, these idiotic people give me enough rope. I like to hang them. So, um, you know, having a bit of fun with trolls is all part of the game. And I'm in a, a position where I'm on TV, so I'm in the public eye. And ever so, you know, Christina gets it way worse than me. She's very popular in the US. Um, and... You know, we understand that we're in a we're in a world where people are going to throw stones because they like to throw stones at things that shine. And ultimately. The the way the mindset and the the life's the life and you know, the way that the the culture is changing to be more social media savvy. The world isn't changing with it. And I'm fearful, not for me or Christina, I'm fearful for my kids and for my kids' kids. And ultimately, you hear these tragic stories about people that are bullied online or groomed online or they meet offenders online or they commit suicide because somebody's been mean online. That is exactly who that post was intended Mm -hmm. for. And ultimately, social media can be an amazing space. It can be really fun, engaging. I know people that have met their partners on social media got jobs off social media and it can be a really fun place to be why does it need to be a hidden forum for bullies ultimately history tells us that people that wear masks have something to hide and you know i don't think it's from a practical perspective i don't think it's going to be very difficult to verify people i mean you have to be verified to have an online banking account you have to be verified to set up an uber account you have to be verified to get a library card why can't people have the courage, and it's not about freedom of speech, I absolutely believe that people should have the freedom of speech, but they should have the courage to to, to put their name next to what they are willing to say. There's responsibility any, with it. Exactly, and actually it all boils down to accountability. And bear in mind, being ex-police, I've, I have a real unique insight. I have been in the lives of both offender and victim, 
And I cannot believe there is a scenario where anonymity would outweigh accountability. And ultimately, as social media grows and becomes more you know, prolific in people's lives, I, I believe that nations should be changing the law so that social media, which is now a popular platform, has accountability to protect the vulnerable. And we need to measure against the weakest link. And that doesn't mean, well, you need to have thick skin. No, because not everybody does. Mm -hmm. And, well, you should parent better. Well, actually, there's vulnerable adults too. So, um, yeah, I, I think um, in the UK, Parliament, here, Congress, whoever's responsible, needs to have a really strong, hard look at themselves and understand that in a changing world, we need a changing law. That's deep. No, it's, it's true. It's true. It's, it's realistic. Great. I got a lot but of abuse on deep. that post. You shouldn't. I, well, I did, yeah. But um, ironically, I got a lot of abuse from, from people that... That are behind the mask. That, uh, that, that have a, a picture that looks like an egg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i got to make that a t-shirt as well. No one should be abused by an egg. There you go. And instead, Master Mechanic on the Motor Trend app. Yes. Which we're going to get yeah. tonight. Yeah. I'll yeah, have so it before you, we leave. Yeah. <laughs> So you're going to either make use of your 14-day free trial, or That's if you it. go on my Instagram page, in my bio is a link where you get a really good value, and actually it boils down to like three bucks a month. And oh, if you wow. think it's not just, you don't just get my show for that, uh -huh. you get every car show produced by that. You get, I mean, bitching rides, uh, gas buggy garage, you get every single past episode of Top Gear. Is Master Mechanic going to eventually get on the Motor Trend site? Or? Uh, it's a conversation that's obviously being had. Um, I, I, I can't answer that. I can't speak on behalf of the network. Bob, you should answer that. No, um, it's, 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 I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get your app. Oh, okay. Um, but you, um, um, I think uh, th there's, there's value in content. Once it's shot and been paid for, like, it exists. So yeah. I can't believe there's a scenario where in a year's time, six months' time, that it will be repurposed and put on TV. Possibly. But the wife? Bob's, um, is that the wife? Bob, is that Tinder? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you want the phone now. Ant Anstead, Chris Hill, and Henrik Neiman. By the way, I actually did post the next day or two later, and I had indeed added the Motor Trend app. Hey, remember to subscribe to our podcast on Radio.com, iTunes, and KNX1070.com, so that way you can be notified when a new Talking About Cars is uploaded and you won't miss a thing. And if you're on iTunes, if it still exists, please rate us and review us as well. Looking for more background to our episodes? Head over to our website, TalkingAboutCars.net. And don't forget, join us every second Tuesday of the month for another edition of Great American Auto Scene or Got Gas on Facebook and at gotgas.com. Of course, uh, that's the show that Bob does, and I horn my way in and basically make a nuisance of myself during the show. And that's why you listen, right? Or watch. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars. <laughs>